Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me. As always, Taylor Dammel, we're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day is Seth Tuttle, former big man for the University of Northern Iowa. Yes, Seth Tuttle uh, alongside Ben Jacobson. I remember him. He was a much like Scotty James, who I dropped yesterday a crucial component for those Panther teams there uh, for UNI. So Seth Tuttle, he is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. yesterday as we were recording week one jerome it's all right i know i hope you listened i was able to uh i was able to relay and and announce some of your picks i did make a quick probably mean little comment uh questioning your fatherhood chops because you picked north dakota state coming out of the sunbelt or the summit uh instead of oral roberts so i'm a little worried for the kid based off your judgment skills well, I mean, you can't just go chalk like the whole time. I mean, there are a number of... Oral Roberts is perfect in conference, though. Well, yeah, which means they're due for a loss. Are they? Okay. You know, I mean, and that, I got to go with the bison, you know, just simply because of uh, of some family connections. No, I, and I think a guy like Grant Nelson could take over a tournament. Um, you know, he's pretty good. Let's put it that way. Very, uh, very dynamic, pretty much leads the team in every single thing. Um, you know what I liked about the first half of the Jerome picks this year though, is there are really a handful of conferences that like you could get such good value on. Like I'm sure we, I'm sure you guys talked about, uh, you know, or obviously you guys talked about, you know, teams like Gonzaga, Gonzaga at a, as a two seed is quite literally like the, you're never going to get better value than that. Well, we had really. to, we had to get reminded by Surrett that, and the crier that you don't get bonus points for picking the two. Oh shit. You're yeah, right. you only get bonus yeah, points. Shit, you're right. You're I, right. I don't think any of us did any real research except for the crier. Hopefully he just picks the wrong 
team. But yeah, that you don't get bonus points. Really shows that I that I stopped listening to the episode and got out of my car at a certain point today. And you're right, I I I totally missed that. Well, if you did get bonus points for it too, there would be no more value than that. But you know, which right. uh, remind me which conference has like a three, four, five, and six seed all tied at like uh, ten and five or nine and six or something like that. I forget have what to get back there and look. it is. Yeah, I, I forget what mid-major And it's it is, one of the picks we made yesterday. It's like, well, fuck, you might as well just pick the six seed because they're only two two games back of the one seed. You know, I mean, there's just so much value to be had there. But, yeah, I mean, the Jerome, it's the greatest time of year. I did, in fact, break out my uh, This Is March shirt uh, today as well. We'll be routinely, or yesterday, I should say, we'll be routinely wearing that on a regular basis on any day that Arizona doesn't have a game, I will be wearing my, this is March shirt. And I am a hundred percent admitting to the fact that I'm only wearing that simply because I'm hoping that at whatever coffee shop I go to that morning, someone goes, Oh, March madness. And I'm literally only doing it for that. And I'm shamelessly admitting to that. Yeah. Uh, just breaking news here. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention to much of what you just said right there. Uh, Penn state just upset and beat Northwestern on a buzzer beater, uh, last night, but we're mm. recording this as that game was happening. I think that's three straight losses for Northwestern. Uh, they're in the tournament. They're safely in, but they're not playing, uh, like a team that is safely in the tournament. That was at Northwestern too. Yeah. That was yeah. in Evanston. Mm. Penn state is hanging on by a, a, Dear, dear thread. How do you lose to blow a 20, 19 point lead to Rutgers and then you turn around and beat Northwestern on the road? The Big Ten's insane, man. I mean, I know you were referencing another conference when you said all the teams that are bunched up with similar records. That's actually really the Big Ten. Look at the Big Ten. Everyone has like six losses. Uh, mm -hmm. I, and and you, a team like Indiana, SVP said it best. He, he said, I could see Indiana after getting blown out by Iowa. He said, I could see Indiana being as high as a two seed. I think that's way too, a little bit too far of a stretch or as low as a nine. I get the point that he's trying to make though. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that, that conference, I feel like the problem with that conference in the big 10 is none of them are going to, to me, none of them are going anywhere though. I mean, I know that oh. we're talking about conference tournaments here. Uh, I, I, I there's a bunch of other teams I'd rather I mean Purdue's not exactly lighting the world on fire at this point you know I mean I think they are what two weeks ago three weeks ago you would have said they're far and away for sure going to be a number one seed that I, I that's not a for sure at all anymore in my in my estimation so I mean yeah Big Ten good for them should be great theater should be great theater in, in their conference tournament, which is really all we're looking for here in life. Uh, but I feel like they've come back to the pack. Indiana's just, they're, they're super unfortunate uh, in terms of their consistency. I can tell you that my, my Iowa Hawkeyes are looking crispy, I think as a, as a good value pick heading into their conference tournament. I'm, you know, spoiler alert <laughs> for my Jerome pick for that, for that conference title. Yeah, why don't we start with Iowa and dive into the playbill? We got a lot to get to, but let's start with Iowa. They are scorching hot. Ever since Fran McCaffrey stared down the ref, they, I feel like, have scored 100 straight points without any sort of resistance. They made that furious comeback against Michigan State, which we did discuss on last episode. Uh, but then they just opened up a can of whoop-ass in Bloomington, and 
dominated from start to finish. It's it's Peyton Sanford, it's Philip Rubracha, it's the McCaffrey brothers. It's their their offense is incredible right now. They are white hot. Yeah, wire to wire. Hit they hit a three on their first possession. Iowa did. And that and it was over, pretty much. I mean, that that was that was it. They led the entire game from there. Um, stretched it out to, I think they led by a little more than what they won by at some point. Did they lead by 30 at one point or maybe 25? Ended up winning by I'm 22. Sure. They, they what, whooped their ass though. I mean, yeah. How do you lose? I'm, I'm not saying I'm a big Iowa proponent here, right? But we're not, Iowa's not exactly world beaters either. And Indiana in a position to really, uh, move up, get a good seed, potentially, you know, 15th ranked team in the country. And then you get just molly walked at home. Certainly not a good indicator for their future in my estimation. I mean, there's there's one-off, like as much as I hate to lose at home, right? I mean, you can lose a one-off game at home here and there. You can't lose by, you can't get smoked at home against a team that's like a, I mean, I was going to be, what do you think? Like a six seed in the tournament, something like that. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, right. You can't get coming. You just can't get just smoked like that. Uh, the committee definitely is going to look at that and be like, oh, yeah, this team is definitely deserving of a top four seed because that probably moved them down probably to a five or six line, just e- maybe even just that loss alone. So my boy, Chris Murray, as we know, dude, 26 and seven, uh, you know, Perkins with 23 and 10, 23, 10 and eight. I mean, this is there are some NBA like stat lines for this Iowa team. Um and even uh, our boy, uh, funny enough, Connor McCaffrey played 31 minutes, took one shot. That's wild uh, as well. It's Scott how play, cardio out. How do you? Yeah, exactly. How do you pay? How do? You, how does that happen for you? But yeah, Peyton Sanford. Um, you know, he had a nice game. You know, we we talked about him a lot. 16 points from him. These guys can get it from a lot of folks. Uh, the big question about them is, like I said last time can they play enough defense in the tournament to go on a run? Because they certainly have enough offensive pot firepower to quite literally beat any team in the country. I mean, their offensive side of the ball, they can beat any team in the country. The problem is, is it's like, okay, uh, you're going to score 90, but can you prevent the other team from scoring 91? That's literally the only question I have about Iowa at this point. Yeah. And, and they're, peaking at the exact right time. This is exactly when you want to be playing your best hoop. And maybe it's not the most balanced hoop, but it's certainly the most dangerous and lethal. And I think that's what we're seeing with Iowa. I'm going to push back on you about Indiana. This actually doesn't concern me a ton. I suppose it's not great when they're at home, but this was, in my opinion, a clear cut case of being hung over from the Purdue win. They did get a little too big for their britches and I think they thought that they were just going to steamroll Iowa, basically saying, hey, we got the tough part out of the way. We went to last West Lafayette. Now we just get to rest on our laurels and win a game easily at home against uh, a team that probably should have lost to Michigan State at home. But instead, they came out incredibly flat-footed. I think it was a fine wake-up call. This, this might move Indiana, like you said, down a seed line or two, but – I'm not. I'm not terribly worried about them. They've shown enough uh, for me. Their their body of work 
has has been enough for me for the Hoosiers. And by the way, I think it is worth taking a step back and crediting the great job Mike Woodson has done because here we are talking about Indiana moving seed lines when just two years ago we were talking about how much of a dumpster fire and abomination and an embarrassment they were to the Blue Bloods. Here we are in year two under the Mike Woodson era. By the way, he's never missed the tournament. He's not going to miss it this year. Made it last year in the playing game. Year two, Mike Woodson has done an awesome awesome job. And I think he needs to deserve uh, or, or be recognized for the work that he's been doing in Bloomington. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying about Indiana is our reference point of being from December 1st on, or however we want to phrase that, you know, whereas, yeah, they might be, maybe I'm not that confident in them, but from where they're at compared to where they were several years ago, then for sure. Yeah, they are, they are definitely uh, on the up and up. Um, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but what's our problem with Indiana, Sub? They can't what went on the road, even though this was at home. TJD they, doesn't get up. They've got them. Trace Jackson Davis and no, oh, yeah, no one else is helping TJD. He showed up though. 26, 13 and five, 26, 13, five and four. And they lost by 22 at home. Yeah. That's that's true. You, you talk about, you know, I'm not saying that you're incorrect, right? Like, I don't feel that strongly about Indiana one way or another, but it's like, yo, if you, if he scores 18 points in a tournament game, they're going to get fucking smacked. You know, I mean, that's not, that's not recipe for success right there. JHS needs to, and I think I said this a few weeks ago when we first brought it up, it's JHS who needs to be the most reliable, which is sad because he's a freshman. You figure you can get that from Miller cop, or you figure you can get that from, Trey Galloway. It's got to be JHS because we've seen what he can do. He essentially, he was a major part in winning that game in West Lafayette, which is probably the toughest road environment, maybe environment period that Indiana is going to play in all season. And then wasn't that special here against Iowa. Kind of just a, yeah, a below average game. And I mean, this is a guy that's trending, of course, as we've noted before, as a lottery pick in the draft this next year. Um, the talent's there, and it is tough to, to count on on a freshman uh, like this, but um, it's not like there aren't other freshmen in the country that are also going to be counted on uh, in, in a similar manner. Um, obviously, in the words of John Calipari, these are just kids, Soup. Just kids. Uh, that's why but, I do feel bad putting it on JHS like this. Well, yeah, but I, I – yeah. I, I mean, that's – sure, that the, there's definitely an argument for that, but, I mean, if you want to be the man – then you got to be the man. I mean, there's just kind of no way around that. No, I get that. I get that. But I'm also looking for a Miller cop, right? To say, Hey, I've been there. I can help out. I'm supposed to be a marksman, a three point shooter. I'm supposed to extend the defense a little bit. And it's just a little up and down there. I just really want more from Brace Thompson is, you know, Brace Thompson too. Yeah. A, a guy that looked like at the beginning of the year, like we referenced several episodes ago, guy that at the beginning of the year to me looked like a guy that can really make that step as a as a leader on this team and not just you know not just only a complimentary piece to uh, to trace jackson davis and unfortunately he's been i guess less than even a complimentary piece at this point obviously uh this team still with an injury here or there i know race thompson's missed a couple games um but still they for him to just still only be averaging like seven points a game at this point in the season, he's not really moving the needle as someone where it's like, Oh yeah, well, who's Trace Jackson Davis going to get going to 
if, if he's getting doubled late, it's like, who's he going to get it to? If, if Hood Shavino is going 14 from the floor, uh, four or 14 from the floor, and Race Thompson is scoring four whole American points or whatever, it's like, gee, some, just give me someone. And I know that this isn't a hot take. I know this isn't like deep analysis, but this is quite literally the glaringly obvious issue with this team is I need, you need more. Trace Jackson Davis can't score 45% of your points every game and, and expect to have any success. In the it's not. At least. It's not even depth. It's just support. But again, this is about Iowa. They are scorching hot. The thing, though, you mentioned like a team like Purdue that isn't a world beater. And the thing with Big Ten teams recently, at least in the tournament, is that they continue to get upset. Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts a couple of years ago as a two. You got Purdue losing to St. Peter's inexplicably, and then you got this Iowa Hawkeyes team who. Everyone was buying last year. Everyone and their mothers had to the final four and they lose to Richmond, which was a, a very shocking. So look, I, I, I do believe that I was playing incredibly well right now, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if yet again, one of these teams slips up in the first weekend. Well, that's the McCaffrey coach team problem because two weeks ago or a week ago, Iowa wasn't playing well. You know, they had lost two in a row. And then they respond by scoring 202 points combined in their last two games, which is a great response. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, the games that they scored 90 or 100 or whatever, they've won. But then you all you 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 also only score 52 points on the road at Wisconsin. A, a, a bubble team question mark, maybe, who doesn't really have any next level type of talent out there you know chris murray is certainly a, a an nba type player someone who it, even though he's not quite as good as his brother still will get a look in, in my opinion just because of his uh, natural scoring ability here but that's that's the problem with this team is they're almost like reverse tennessee these guys go three game stretches of being good instead of six game stretches of being good so that's why I like them maybe in a conference tournament setting. Hey, win me three three or four games in a row. I mean, they ain't gonna do shit in the tournament either. I mean, they're they they might they have the firepower to maybe knock off like a if they do play a two seed or a one seed, kind of like a a, a challenge um, or you know an, a a big upset. Let's call it. It'll look like a big upset to those not in the know. To those in the know, will know that they can put up a hundred points, but. They'll beat a one seed and then lose to a nine seed or to, or a ten seed or something like that in the next game simply because they don't have that type of consistency. But I do like them at a conference tournament setting, just simply because of that that firepower against teams that they know. If they play a really good defensive team um, or a team that can match them offensively in the in the in the big dance, that's going to be tough. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm willing to go even so far as to pick Iowa to win the Big Ten Conference because I think it's so deep. That is your prerogative. I ain't gonna fight you on that. I'm, I'm just saying they but, have uh, the firepower. I know. I understand. I understand that. But like, I I just I don't see the consistency for Iowa. Uh, we'll see what happens in the NCAA tournament, though. Let's move on to some action from last night, though. Sule Boom, he's been in a, a revelation for the Musketeers all season. And he was amazing against Providence. Providence's home win streak finally snapped. Um, but Sule Boom was incredible. I think he had 30-plus points, seven assists, four boards, something along those lines. And I had to dig this up, man. This was from last offseason. This is David Miller, assistant coach for Xavier, talking about Sule Boom. And it is worth a listen. Let me just play it real quick. Uh, here we go. Number 
Rivers at UTEP for the past three years. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the country. A lot of people have never heard about him. I'm telling you, hopefully, you know, you can bring this quote up at the end of the year. I think people are going to know Sule Boom's name by the end of next season. I really do. I believe in him that much. Uh, yeah, man. We we know Sule's name. Incredibly prophetic. Uh, 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 commentary there from David. Yeah, we know his name at this point. But awesome win for the Musketeers. And they're doing all this without Zach Fremantle. Uh, Marquette wins the Big East, but Xavier right there, Shaka and Sean and and Xavier with an awesome win against Providence leading the way with Sule. I was leaning towards taking Providence in this game just simply because of their prowess at home. Um, you know, we know that they're good at the amp there. Uh, do they even call it the amp? I keep calling it the amp. Yeah, they do. I feel like that's what Prior they call it. Prior calls it the amp, yeah. Okay, good. That's, that's good for me. A crier is born. God, I love that guy when he hop, when he's able to hop on with us. Yeah. But um, yeah, Sule Boom, I mean, I'm so high on Xavier and not even just because I'm a Sean Miller guy. I mean, I just think they have the right pieces in place, obviously. And then you add on to the top that I am a Sean Miller guy. And, and you know, he has the pedigree in the tournament, you know, the experience to take a team to the Elite Eight. Yeah, pause. I mean, that's all you could say. Uh, pause. Right, uh. Well, the crazy part is Sule Boom is arguably the best point guard Sean Miller's coached for a year. I mean, there's a there's an argument to be made there from a scoring perspective. Maybe from a scoring perspective, but I'd even TJ put... TJ McConnell is the best. Yeah, point guard Lions. I would I'd take say... Sule Boom over Mark Lyons. I don't know. Mark Lyons was awesome. He was, uh, no, he was, he was, but he's not putting up 33 on the road. And uh, Sule, yeah, and, Sule's and, been and, awesome. You know, and so, and that's and why I'm so high on them is because you that's the that type of performance that we just saw is the type of performance that wins you games in this month that we're in right now and and there's no really way around it other say like if you're getting if you got a guy that is like that you know with the support that he's going to ha- have and I'm operating under the assumption that Fremantle is going to come back before the tournament in at least some kind of uh you know contributing uh, factor here right but if you have a point guard that can go out you go out there and get you 33 in a in a pivotal pivotal road game um deep in conference play i certainly and he's and it's not like this is a one off thing he's proven that throughout the year that this is something this is who he is he's like the opposite of Baylor Shireman like he, Shireman came in and, and people were expecting him to like elevate his game and he's actually been worse Sule Boom is he's putting up this is the best season he's had in the best competition he's ever played in, arguably. So um, he's really utilizing this opportunity to to really advance his career just in general. But a guy like that, when you, when you see a performance like that, especially this late in the year, that that screams to me like this guy's ready for March. This guy's ready for a you know Big East tournament. You know, give me give me the grandest stage you can in college basketball. And it, it, it's hard for me to to bet against these guys in that type of, you know, in these, in these uh, weeks going ahead, just simply when you have a guy that can go out there and get you 33 and, and make these big shots and make these big plays. The only issue is, and the only thing that I'm a little concerned about is the lack of experience. So Sule boom, he, once he goes to Madison Square Garden, this isn't going to be like whatever conference tournament UTEP has played in. It's not going to be the same as USF, but he seems like he's built and made for the big moment. Like we said, walked into Providence and dropped that performance. Yeah, and I'm I, not. 
I'm not that. I don't know. To me, there's just some guys that like are experienced. That's Sule though. That's Sule though. Right. Let's. I mean, if we look ahead to a guy, and I really like the balance of this Xavier team, but it's pretty much the same team that Travis Steele had, and it does go to what what a great job Sean Miller has done. But Colby Jones, is he ready to step step up to the plate? Sure. Is Jack Nungy ready to step up to the plate? Is Zach Fremantle ready to step up? And when I say step up, I mean can they step up knowing that the target is on their back? With the exception of Marquette, the target is on Xavier's back, and there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking for retribution, a team like Providence, a team like UConn, right? Some of these uh, talented teams that are geared up, and I wouldn't necessarily say Madison Square Garden is a home arena uh, for, for the Musketeers. That being said, I don't want to take anything away from this game, and I want to focus in on this game because Providence is damn near impossible to beat at home. They had it coming into last night, the uh, longest home winning streak. And so that's what made this even more impressive because this, this game was kind of put away early Providence made a bit of a run, a little bit of a stretch. And I was really impressed with Xavier's ability to handle and keep Bryce Hopkins in check. Uh, and their guards just shined like crazy. And, and again, leading the way with Sule boom. And that's who you need uh, this time of year. And I think you're, you, you hit the nail on the head, Taylor, this time of year, uh, a guy that can go and get you 30. Not every team has that luxury. Not every team has a guy where you can just throw him the ball and say, please get me out of this shit situation. Xavier has that guy. Uh, they did struggle against the zone a little bit. I'd be curious to see, and that's been a Sean Miller thing in the past. No. It looked like Ed Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. It looked like Ed Cooley got out of it for some reason. I don't know. But uh, at the end if of the I day, wasn't this opposing is a great coach. win. Hang on a second. At, at the end <laughs> yeah. of the day, that's just a great win for Xavier. If I was an opposing coach, I'd only play exclusively. I'd call Jim Beheim and be like, yo, give me like three tips on the zone because I'm playing that against every Sean Miller team. Right. Um, right. Uh, and honestly, I, I, I need to I need to step back a little bit here because you brought him up and we didn't really talk about it. But Kobe Jones went 10 of 11 from, and scored 29 points. So we're that not just awesome. talking about Sule Boom here. But then you look at Providence, all five of their starters scored 14 or more points. That's tough to do in college basketball. It's tough to do in the NBA sometimes, you know, for all of your your starters to score um, that many points. Other than the fact it was at Providence, I would feel, you know, pretty confident about both of these teams in the tournament. And I actually do feel these are definitely two teams that in my bracket, whatever that may be, I feel very good about. Um, I feel like they're just – I don't want to say that this is, you know, foolproof, but they are battle-tested in the Big East – it, this Providence team seems to play the, some of the most entertaining games we, we can find uh, on the schedule, which is, which is great. And I think that that bodes well for March. If, if you're in these type of close games, they're just b- gritty. Both these teams are just gritty. They have their star, you know, you got Hopkins, you got Sule boom, you've got stars. These guys are legitimate college basketball stars. I, I, I like, I love maybe even both of these teams, um, going forward feel like the the sky's the limit for both of them but why i feel maybe a little bit better about xavier is simply because they're not even at full strength and they're still they're still winning these games i totally agree the Fremantle addition it's got to be interesting to see how they respond because we've seen plenty of times teams say to themselves and say to everyone 
we'll wait till we get this guy back. And they were four and three entering this game without Fremantle. It's not like they're actually playing that well without him, which is completely understandable. But to get this win without Fremantle, it's huge. And it solidifies them as the two seed uh, right now, at least in the Big East tournament. And I am excited to see them solidify that front court. I can't imagine Fremantle is going to throw a wrench into their plans and and it's a subtraction by addition sort of thing. I think Xavier just gets more dangerous when he's around. Well, they're to a point where the conference tournament matters, but it kind of doesn't matter in the sense that like, as if Fremantle can come back and, uh, you know, be a part of the conference tournament, I'd rather lose a game getting Fremantle more time and get to get ready than then win the conference tournament without him playing. Because I don't think that it's a benefit to Xavier to just throw him into the tur- the big dance mm. uh, without, without him playing. I'd rather lose in the third, you know, the, the semifinals of the big East tournament, trying to get Fremantle more time than win the conference tournament without him. I think just because I'd rather have him get his feet wet again, having a, you know, a game or two or three under his belt and just throwing him, throwing him into a, you know, the tournament and saying, Hey, let's just see how this plays out. To me, that's not a good strategy of just saying, Hey, let's see how it plays out. I'd, I'd rather, and I'm not saying they're going to lose these games. I'm saying if I had to choose, because obviously I don't, I don't feel that, you know, strongly about winning conference tournament titles as an important factor into the tournament, at least in in these big time conferences. Right. So I'd rather make sure that I got my guy back in there playing some basketball, giving me 20 to 25 or however many minutes he's going to be on rather than just saying, okay, Hey, now that we beat the shitty first team that we played in the first round, let's just, and that's the only time that Fremantle got. And then you're playing some high level team in the second round. To me, that's a rest, not a recipe for success as much as maybe losing a game or two early in the in the conference tournament. But you have Fremantle that that gets some time. Am I am I off base? You think in saying that, or or what I don't. I mean, it's it's not a bad proposition. I I see what you're saying. At the end of the day, the only thing I would push back on is let's say if you do get Fremantle that one or two games in the Big East tournament, and then you lose, there's still some. Uh, there's there's some dead time for him where he's got to wait until the NCAA tournament. And sure, you could say that he's got one or two games under his belt. I think the the best possible case scenario for Xavier is to bring him back maybe in the Big East semifinals and then uh, okay. win yeah, yeah, yeah. or like play the, the conference title game. And then you just go forward with that. And that way you can get all of that together. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I don't necessarily know. I don't think Sean Miller's really playing. These are young kids. We've said it They're before. Just kids. Like, I, I get what you're saying. But, man, Zach Fremantle, if you're not ready to go for NCAA tournament time, you may be rusty. Fair enough. But uh, you do everything in your power to get ready because that would do or die, man. That's well, you're all also not die. you're also not going to force it either. Right. Yeah. Like, like, that's that's the Sean Miller. Sean case, Miller man. wants to win the Big East tournament. I know that for a Dude, damn how fact. do you imagine? Can you imagine the big swing of dick Sean Miller would feel like he had if he came back the first year of being back in the Big East and was like, "Hey, welcome, welcome to the show, boys!" No, <laughs> and and they win the conference tournament. I mean, I mean be, I'm not saying it's the most important thing in the world by any means, but it's a little bit like, yeah, like listen, the Sean Miller that you thought was going to come back and you know struggle or whatever, like that ain't happening. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know where Travis Steele is at these days, by the way, because I'm telling you, he's looking at the same roster doing all this. Conkel, uh, Nunji, and, and Fremantle. Boom, obviously. But, you know, we'll, we'll move on, though. Xavier. Well, hold Xavier on. It's got awesome. to be what Sean Miller looked back and thought about Arizona last year. I mean, maybe. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's the same That's roster. That's true. Just, you know, it's just, yeah. Just a turnover, I guess. That is fresh face. Sometimes, yeah. Right. Sometimes yep. you need a fresh face, but good for Xavier. Great for Sule. Boom. Uh, let's stay in the Big East, though. Marquette winning outright. The reason I want to bring them up is because everyone and their mother was talking about Creighton preseason, folks. After the the Phil Knight Invitational, I don't even know if that was the exact one that UConn was in, but everyone was talking about UConn and how awesome they were. And they, they've been really good. All right. Creighton's been really good. Uh, everyone talking about can Providence repeat? Who's another big East team with a narrative. I'm sure there's, there's a bunch. Um, Nova. Nova. Yeah. We picked, we picked Nova. Shoot. Thank you. Genius. Geniuses here on this program. Well, they're looking pretty good right now, but they are, actually. Uh, Look, the point that I'm making, Taylor, is not a soul, not one single person even thought about Marquette, let alone pick them top three. Nobody even cared about Marquette. Nobody cared about Tyler Kolek, who's going to win Big East Player of the Year. Nobody cared about Shaka Smart, who should win Big East Coach of the Year, potentially national. National. I still think it's Jerome Tang, by the way, but uh, But still, yeah, Shaka should be up there. Shaka should be up there. I mean, Marquette, man, outright, outright. This is honestly, I, I think we're downplaying this or it's not getting enough attention. What a job Marquette has done this year. What what a great, great run they're on. They're far and away the most underrated team in the country. I mean, I they're agree. the sixth ranked team in the country. This is the highest Marquette's been ranked since like JFK was president or some dumb, you know, some dumb stat like that. I mean, this isn't, this is better than D Wade ever was in Marquette, better than, the Jay Crowder teams at Marquette. And I loved though both iterations of those Marquette teams there. And, and somehow this team is in, ranked higher. I'm not going to say necessarily better. We'll see how that plays out here as we come into March, but the highest ranked team since I, I can't even remember, but it's been in a, a significant amount of time. We, we certainly weren't alive the last time that Marquette uh, is, is doing what they're doing currently. And I don't see, the unfortunate part for Marquette is like Shaka Smart should probably, I don't know, well, probably is a, t- a tough word, but he really should have some serious consideration for national coach of the year. I mean, I totally agree. Bill self has a, has a real shot at it. I, and I think legitimately. So um, if Arizona hadn't lost to ASU last week, I think Tommy Lloyd actually was getting undervalued just given the fact that they lost three starters. It's the same situation as Kansas. They lost multi, you know, three starters, to the NBA brought back. And yeah. But Kansas has like 15 quad one wins. Oh, I no, no, no. They're, I, they're not in the same stratosphere. I, I never really thought about Lloyd. Well, he's still, they're still, you know, I'm just talking about just people that are not being talked about maybe as highly as they should have for, Fair enough. you know, national coach of the year uh, candidates. Shaka smart. I bet you most, what 90% of people who are going to pick brackets this year have no idea that Shaka Smart is now the coach at Marquette. That, and that goes to show you how crazy it is that these guys won the Big East outright. They're going to be a top, they're a two seed, almost almost a lock for a two seed, I would I would think at this point, at worse. And Sneaky have a shot for a one seed, which is completely 
like ridiculous to think about that. And I mean, you watch Sports Center or any show. When's the last time you saw Marquette highlight? Probably only yesterday is probably the only one that you can remember of Shaka Smart, you know, celebrating and all those guys celebrating uh, winning the Big East title because they just haven't been covered this year, really. I mean, even we, I think, have under undercovered them in terms of like what they've been doing this year because it just haven't been. There have been so many other storylines like a Sule Boom uh, and so on in, in the Big East, uh, a Kyle Neptune, um, you know, to talk about, oh, what about this? What about that? And, and as we've been talking about all the periphery of these teams, Marquette's just been like, oh, we'll just win all the games. Instead, we don't care if anyone's talking about us or not. We're just going to win all the games. And then all of a sudden we're here, March March 2nd, 2023. And you're like, oh, Marquette is far and away the best team in the Big East. They're, they won the conference. They're the favorite to win the conference tournament. And they're likely going to be at worst a two seed, no matter how the conference tournament plays out. It's wild. And, ha- and then having the player of the year in the conference too. Yeah, so much. The coach of the year and the player of the year in the conference. And nobody has given a single shit about them like for all four year. months. All yeah. year, yeah. I think it's very impressive how workmanlike they are in their approach, because they just handle business. It's not sexy. It's not. It's not beautiful, but it should be. It should be considered that way. Tyler Kolek is one of the best passers in the entire country. He produces uh, with points as well. Shaka Smart. Everyone thinks of him as this energetic young guy. I think we still remember him from the VCU days, maybe even the Texas days, and he still has that fire, but Shaka is definitely a lot more refined and he seems a little bit more mature, I guess. Uh, it's, it's not supposed to be a pejorative to say he was immature in the past, but he just seems a little bit more grizzled and a little bit more experienced in some of the battles that he's gone through. And so now he comes to the big East. I mean, dude, you want to talk about Sean Miller swinging his, his, you know, what, Shaka Smart, I think this is what, just year two, year three at Marquette, and he's won this conference outright. I think it's incredibly impressive. And like I said, they don't do it in a sexy fashion, but they have a really balanced team. Omex Prosper is solid. Uh, they're led by Kolek. And I, I, I will say, though, I don't necessarily foresee them going to an Elite Eight or a Final Four, uh, which is usually the expectation for a top six team, a number two seed in the tournament or a three seed in the tournament i could actually see them getting knocked off maybe round of 32 sweet 16 just because of this you know it, it, they may be the the lights might be a little too bright we'll see um i just don't know if they have the 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 talent or the star power to really make a deep deep run i think they might run up against a stronger team from another conference but that shouldn't matter at all because what Shaka has done in Milwaukee has been nothing short of remarkable this year. And they're going to return a decent amount of these players. Marquette set up for the long haul, which I think is the goal. Uh, last point I'll make is the, the good folks of Milwaukee. They, they've been treated to some great basketball between the Bucks and the Golden Eagles. Well, I, I think the real problem is they don't have any size. They're the 399th ranked rebounding team in the country. There aren't even that many like D1 teams, so I don't even know how you can be ranked that low at rebounding. Yeah. And you know, their leading rebounder has, let me double check this, has five, averages 5.9 rebounds a game. Oh, uh, Oso Igadaro. I mean, and he's 6'9, which is, isn't small, don't get me wrong, but that's your, that's your 
that's your big is a six nine who averages you know five rebounds a game so you better make all of your shots i guess in the tournament because the hopes of getting any rebounds are not there um that they're not great defensively they're they're fine defensively obviously the size has a lot to do with that as well but that these shaka smart teams i know that i'm hearkening back to that original run or two that vcu had but he has shown a propensity to to be able to take teams with this type of talent and this type of roster both from a size and and physicality's perspective and and lead them to tournament success so we kind of, I think, I'm not saying here on this program, but just I think we as as a general term in the country as college basketball folks, I think kind of, I don't want to say, you know, wrote Chaka Smart off at, at Texas. I think it was more of like a, eh, you know, whatever. That was cute. That was fun. You know, Chaka Smart. Yeah, he dove on the floor that one time in 2010 or 11, you know, and that's, that's great. But he's now done it at three places, right? Like, I think we're maybe undervaluing Chaka Smart as a coach, at, at, as a wide general sense because there's not that many coaches that can take three teams to the tournament and with really no no gap in between um in between him getting there and having to build for three or four years whatever yeah. this guy comes in and and, and goes you know so th- there's an argument for his longevity at, at institutions i think that's i think that's a completely legitimate argument uh will any of his uh, teams get better from here but at the same time the same reason that freshmen get better as sophomores as get better as senior your juniors and seniors shock is smart and coaches get better from mid-major vc was a mid-major is a mid-major but was for sure a much deeper mid-major than they are now uh when shock smart was there texas is a low-key impossible job to succeed at in a lot of ways because the pressure you have the pressure he, of a hot. I agree. There's pressure, but he probably could have won an NCAA tournament. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. True. 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 Yeah. Under. Under. That's maybe all. Underperform. But you know, there's a there's probably it's a tougher job than people want to admit that it I is agree. because there's the pressure of like a Duke without ever having being they're the 43rd best basketball school in the country and yet they have the highest budget and all of that type of stuff. Marquette is such a good position for him. I feel like it's a it's a basketball school, but it's not like the the jam-packed pressure field and clearly because they've only gotten to this they've gotten all the way to this point without having like the lights on them and and like you said maybe the lights will get too too bright come march but they couldn't really be in a better position for future success than they are now winning the big east a an experienced decade plus long experienced coach with a lot of uh, ncaa tournament experience not necessarily wins but a lot of experience and then you've got a roster that is young and if they if they can add some size in in years come, uh, then then they'll be very good. I like this Marquette team. I unfortunately am like you though too. I might take a team like a Xavier if we're talking about Big East teams or Providence. But boy, the Big East has some has some teams I really like going forward in the tournament. Um, I don't necessarily like Marquette as much as some other ones, but it, to me, it's not going to surprise me if they have if they have a little more success than than what the general public is going to feel is going to expect coming into this tournament. Well, I think the general public is probably going to put them as like a Final Four and Elite Eight team just based on the seed that's next to them. But I just well, I don't okay. know if true, I don't know true, if true. I see that I don't know if I see that coming there uh, with Marquette. But hometown kid for Shaka, 
He's from Milwaukee. We've talked about fit. We've talked about it specifically with a Steve Alford, who's doing a really good job at Nevada, even though they may be on the bubble right now. But this is a great fit for Shaka Smart and Marquette. So they're leading, and they won. They won the Big East. Good for them. A uh, couple of other items. Bama and Auburn, they go to overtime. Alabama survives. I, I mean, Bama's incredible. They're in a very deep, tough team they shoot so many threes they play a fun brand of basketball i just can't help but think that they're winning all of these games and they're they're squeaking out tough ones against their rivals that this is going to come crashing down at some point like in the sweet like it's almost too good they're almost too good this season i know that's stupid but this is how things work out sometimes in the ncaa gonzaga was so stupid good last year and they lost in the sweet 16 I just, I, I'm just terrified that if the threes aren't falling for Bama, they're going to be in some trouble. I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm going to be hesitant or I may be finding reasons as to why I want to take Bama out of my final four right now. Uh, but they end up getting a great win against Auburn. Any quick thoughts from this Iron Bowl game? My thoughts are more so about Auburn than they are about Alabama. This is a team we lauded not that many weeks ago about being a team that just does what it does and just were kind of sneaking under the radar since then they've pretty much lost seven of their last nine games i'm way more concerned about like an auburn than i am alabama do you do you still feel oh yeah that? yeah i mean yeah you know i mean bama, I'm, I'm talking about bama's long long term goals i don't know if auburn's in the tournament or not i think that's a fair question. which is which is wild because they were ranked when we were talking about them being you know, hey, this is team sneaky. Kiss of Titch, right? This team is sneaky. That's what and, it was, yeah. And then, and then they snuck seven losses in since then, essentially. I don't know. I, I still feel pretty strongly about this Bama team. I really am kind of confused, I think would be the only word. Flummoxed, perhaps, would be another one to use. How this Brandon Miller situation is going to affect them. And the, my... I'm going to keep the hypotheticals down to a very, very light minimum here, but I feel like there's still another shoe to drop before this is all figured out in the next, you know, it's going to take months and months and months to, to, to get through the trial and all that. I feel like there's still another shoe to drop that when it comes to the information about whatever happened with Darius miles and Brandon Miller and so on, that is slightly concerning to me because as we know, the national media or informants or how we want to phrase it now, they don't like to do things times that are very conducive to success to whoever they're going to report about. Right. So I could see a piece of something coming out like, you know, eight hours before their first tournament game, some, something like that. I saw so that's way too deep into the hypotheticals already. I am a little bit concerned about that situation just as a general sense. Um, they haven't, they have kind of been here before. Obviously Brian Miller has not, um, I still like them just simply because they're so deep still like for them to lose a tournament game. That means that like seven of their 10 player rotation have to play badly. I'm not saying they're going to go to the final four or the national championship. They certainly have that as their ceiling, but I don't have them losing early. I think elite eight to, to me seems yeah. right for them. And, and that's then, what I mean. Okay. Okay. And then in the right situation, like, Brandon Miller certainly has the opportunity and the and the ability, as we've seen, to take over games. Um, you know, before the game, he took over last week and scored 40, so 44, 41, 41, 41, 41. 
he wasn't exactly shooting the ball lights out from three turned around and then did that uh and kind of proved any doubters i don't want to say wrong but kind of said no i'm still i'm still out here though um so he when you have a guy like that just like we talked about sule boom you have a guy with that type of talent and ability brandon miller is even light years ahead of boom it's going to be tough for me to to bet against you uh that's what's tough for me is it's like i i just i just can't see a situation where someone else is going to outrun them unless they have like a historically bad shooting night from three because they can get it from which happened. I mean, which happens. That could happen. It happens, but they're just so deep that if they're a type of team that six players could be having a bad game and still win because they have enough depth to, to cover that. So I'm less concerned with them uh, as I, as maybe you are, I think at this point. Well, I yeah, that's that's fair, but and concerned I, concerned is a is is in, no, I got you. I, got you. I would just say yeah, I would just say like I'm I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm taking them to the final four because I've seen teams that have just bulldozed. Actually, Arizona teams is a perfect example. They just bulldoze and win thirty games in a season, and then they match up against someone incredibly difficult in the Elite Eight or the Sweet Sixteen, and. Like when you get to those one one winner take take all games, uh, I don't know how Bama's going to match up. So we'll see about that. Auburn, I still think they're in somewhat comfortably, but they're playing with fire. I think they are. I mean, this wasn't a bad loss for Auburn, but Katie Johnson. Uh, I mean, it's it's like Alan Flanagan. Um, this is sort of the end of the road of that golden era. There's in soccer. There's like the golden era of people of of players. I think we're sort of coming to the end of that road where Bruce Pearl might have to reload a little bit uh, on some of these Auburn players because I I think last year was the real real last time I think we all viewed him as a serious threat with Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith and they lost to Miami. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Auburn going forward. Uh, the only other game I want to just touch base on real quick before we get to very quick hitters, Boise State storming back all the way back against ranked San Diego State. One thing I took away from this game, Taylor, is uh, Mammy Max Rice was amazing. Leon Rice's kid, Tyson Degenhart, love him. Roberto Bergerson, another shout out uh, for friend of the program. But San Diego State didn't score for the final five minutes. And I, if you want to talk kiss a titch, literally last episode, I, I was – proud of how well they've been playing on offense by San Diego state, state uh, standards last five minutes, not a bucket. And you know, what's so funny also, Taylor, you said, you know what? Sometimes the no field goals things over a course of, of time is fine. If you're getting to the free throw line and hitting free throws, zero points for the Aztecs and Boise state. I think they should be in the NCAA tournament with that one. Well, they have to be now. I mean, you beat the best team in your conference down the stretch uh, as a, they were a bubble team, but I believe that before this game, they were on the right side of the bubble, correct? Yeah. They were, they, yeah, were, they, were on the, they were on the inside track of the bubble. Now I feel like they have to be in barring, you know, some kind of crazy, uh, loss and Boise state has Utah state to play and Utah state is another bubble team. Um, so you're not talking about yeah, it's at Utah State too, so you're not necessarily talking about a bad loss if you lose that game. Certainly, you're in. That's they're in, 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 in. If they win, if they beat their their other conference bubble team, uh, if they win 
here. I think that's on Friday or Saturday. Maybe it's on Saturday um, against Utah State or at Utah State. This Boise State, this Boise State team has been sneaky uh, all year. You know, Max Rice is their is their top scorer. If they, you know, Marcus Shaver Jr. Is, has performed well this year. They aren't a team that anyone is going to take, you know, far in the tournament. They're like the worst team in the country from an assist perspective, which is kind of kind of crazy. They only average 11 assists per game, which is like kind of wildly low. You can accidentally average 11 assists a game <laughs> in 40 minutes. Um, there are players in the country by themselves who average 10, you know, and they're averaging 11. Colic. Yeah, right. Exactly. I feel like so, could do that. But they're a tough and they, they grind out a lot of these games to the degree where I'm not going to take them far, but it's going to be a team that doesn't surprise me matchup related that if they do sneak one in against a team that they shouldn't beat, um, you know, I'd even say like a, a, a team like Iowa, a team that I'm very high on, you know, this, this Boise state team has a, you know, just has the propensity to kind of force uh, teams into games that they don't want to play. And I could see that happening in the tournament where, yeah, I'm not taking them to the elite eight or anything like that, but they're 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 sneaky tougher than I think what the the general person is going to realize. They're well coached, uh, for sure. Uh, they've got, even though we've talked about them as being a young team this year, um, you know they were good last year too. So it's not like this is everybody's first foray uh, into like the tournament or the you know conference tournaments or or, or so on. So. Um, they only have two sons of a coach on the team. Because uh, who's the other one? Nah, it's another Rice. Oh, another Rice. Like, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, so. that's got to suck for that kid. Sorry. I'm all about Max Rice <laughs> yeah, and Tyson no, Degenhart. T Degen. Yeah. They got. I think they got enough to win a game or two in the tournament. That's all. But I, I, I'm just happy for how they performed. I'm usually anti Boise State, but they they had an opportunity or they were on the edge of saying, okay, hey, are we going to make the tournament? We're in. We're on the bubble. And you beat the best team in your conference, San Diego State. You know, perpetually the best team uh, in, in that conference year after year. That's and, and in a comeback fashion to hold them, um, you know, scoreless for the last five minutes or so. That's a great sign of where this program is at. And it's almost to the point where, at least over the last couple of years, it's taken a long time to get there, but it's almost a, a plug and play rather than a, we need the right player or we need, you know, talent, talent, talent. And that's the only way we're going to be successful. I think that they've got a, a good enough program now where they can just keep plugging players into this and keep it moving forward. Yeah. I, I think Leon Rice is a wonderful coach. So uh, great job from Boise state coming all the way back. And I think they finished the game on a 14, nothing run. They actually played one of the most entertaining games of the tournament last year against Memphis, where they made a miraculous comeback, just fell short. Uh, but looking forward to seeing how that Mountain West tournament plays out. All right, Taylor, we're running up on some time. We're going to get – actually, you know what? Boise State helped you out on uh, some of your bets from last week, which we'll get to next. But some very quick hitters that I want to talk about real quick before I get to you. Uh, Zakai Ziegler injured that just brutal brutal for the young man brutal for the vols it seems like the vols are snake bit uh their their ceiling has been significantly lowered but i still think they can maybe get to the second weekend but this is just so brutal for for tennessee i that's the only word that keeps coming to mind and i feel bad for ziegler who's one of the best stories in the sec torn acl done for the season uh it just sucks to see this late 
uh, in the season. Obviously, it would be a season-ending injury regardless, but you know the kid is fired up, getting excited for March Madness. Credit to the Vols. They were able to pick up themselves by their bootstraps and beat a pretty surging, somewhat surging Arkansas team at home handily. But uh, the Ziegler injury just sucks. Taylor, your quick thoughts. Well, against South Carolina, too, he had a, a great game. Thirteen, Maybe his best game of the year, uh, honestly. 13 points, 11 assists. 11 assists, as we just talked about. Like, a uh, hell of a number of assists for a single player in a, in a basketball game, especially a, a team of uh, Tennessee's offensive lack of propensity, I guess. I am – yeah, I'm just uh, I'm sad about it because we've been trying to to really pump up Tennessee. I think a lot this year. We've both been very high on Tennessee defensive prowess, all that. But you lose you lose the head of the snake in a, in a lot of ways in in Zakai Ziegler, and uh, they just don't have enough offensive firepower to lose a guy like Ziegler. You know, like yeah. that's just not it's just not there. So it's really unfortunate. It's definitely going to adjust how I take them in the tournament. They're going to have enough talent to, to shut down at least a team or two in the tournament. But once you get into those high-level, high, high-level games uh, come the Sweet 16, it's going to be a little tough for me to take them further than that. Yeah, and just losing a leader and everything that Ziegler's been through, I encourage everyone to Google uh, what happened, I think, this past offseason. Uh, so just a huge hug for Zagai Ziegler. Uh, some other quick notes. Caleb Grill out at Iowa State, uh, kicked off the team. I don't know exactly what for, what he did, but Caleb Grill, man, what the hell are you doing? Uh, Iowa State, it's a dumpster fire in Ames right now. They have lost, I think, six of their last seven, something along those lines. Uh, they just do not look very good whatsoever. So I don't know what's happening in Ames, but Caleb Grill out. Uh, a dog performing halftime at Louisville, Frisbee dog, took a shit right on the court. I don't know how you can encapsulate a season better than what that dog did. I will say I had a bone to pick with the trainer or whoever was leading it. Tried picking up the dog mid poop. Let the dog poop, man. Like it's over at that point. Like, yeah, yeah. the poop, the poop just fell out. What the hell are you going to do? And let, just let the dog poop in peace, please. I didn't like that whatsoever. Look, I'm not, I'm not a PETA member over here or anything like that. If I was, I probably wouldn't have the dog performing for, thousands of fans but just let the dog do its business uh but louisville that's just the perfect send-off i guess for them matthew mayer apparently uh was sick <laughs> he had a caffeine hangover he had caffeine poisoning because he just chugged too many uh five-hour energies after the ohio state game insane i don't know wh- i i read it is. as he drank five monster energy drinks what did is I what, say is what my insiders uh said aka yeah. just whatever espn said uh, well, what did i five- say Five hour energy. Sorry, it was a monster. It was monster. <laughs> I'm. I'm. Is he thinking, just angling for an nil deal? Uh, it's not a bad idea. He he kind of fits the mold. Uh, he looks like a monster energy <laughs> type of guy. Is this maybe the least shocking? If you look at him, this may be the least shocking story in college basketball this week. Well, and I listened to the interview. He seemed. He see he did not seem sh- ashamed whatsoever, or bashful or or anything. I think he just went into Brad Underwood's office. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm not feeling so good." And Brad's like, "Well, what happened?" Usually, you would try and hide it. I think he probably just said, "I chugged way too many Monster Energy drinks, Coach." There's, there's no chance that that statement was taken seriously either. Every other player on the team is trying to come in like hiding that they're hungover. Or they they smoked nine J's the night before or whatever. And this guy's like. Like, yeah, man, just too much monster energy. And yeah, there's no chance that was taken seriously. 
That's an that's an NCAA champion though. He's got the one thing that the rest of that staff, I would assume the staff, does not have, and that's a ring. So <laughs> Matthew Mayer, man, I hope you're recovering from uh, your caffeine poisoning or whatever it was. I I can't imagine some of these kids during the four, four loco days. I want to I want to ask. Yeah. We need to identify some some players during that time period, like 2008 through 2013, 14. See if they ever got their hands on some four locos and see how practice was the I next think, day. I think we witnessed a couple of this. These guys, one of your best friends, um, Krill Nakiasko, probably Legend. was heavy on the four locos at the uh, at the uh, gateway pool party. Uh, you know, a time or two. I won't. I won't. I won't put it out on what, front. Street I don't. There. No, I'm not going to put you out on front street about what, oh, what you, you were yeah. doing during that pool party. But yeah. I do know that that Krill. Krill was probably a guy. His his jazz hands uh, were too were too shaky. You, most of the time, that guy definitely was a, a a caffeine guy. Let's put it that way. That's a good way of putting it. Look, all I'll say is that it's a, co- a combination of being overserved and the Arizona sun. It it'll make you do some some odd odd things. Uh, the only last, speaking of Arizona, the last bone I have to pick that it's just I'm looking at the schedule, man. All right, UCLA at or, or excuse me, Arizona at UCLA. I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, we should go out for the game. Let's have fun. Uh, go catch it. 10 p.m. tip, man, Eastern time. And and I was on another program earlier today, and they asked me why does the Pac-12 not get respect. I said outside of the fact that the last national title came in '97, it's because these idiots don't produce their best product, the best rivalry on the West Coast, and two top eight teams. 10 p.m. Eastern, Taylor. What the like? What are we doing? Well, and then both like Arizona ASU games were at noon, too. Um, yeah, I, at this point, I word on the street is that there's a 75% chance or higher that Arizona uh, is going to get an offer from the big 12 apparently uh, after this season over. Thank God. And I am, I couldn't, when this all first came, I'll try and keep this short cause I know we're running out of time, I'll tr- but when this all came to fruition for the first, uh, you know, uh, you know, what's, what are these conferences going to do? I was very pro like, Oh, you know, PAC 12 tradition, this, that, or the other, I couldn't have switched on this more than I have. i I'm going to be extremely disappointed if Arizona is a Pac-12 member or Pac whatever the fuck here in in three years. Give me the Big 12. Give me Kansas. Give me Baylor. Give me, I mean, Kansas, Arizona, Mikhail, Fogg, Allen. That that rivalry or rivalry to be will far supersede whatever Baylor, Kansas's rivalry is. Uh, it, it would be the best, one of the better better experiences in the country for a college basketball fan um, to have those type of things going on. And I just don't see the PAC 12 at this point. What are they? They might as well be live golf at this point. Cause they're like negotiating deals with the CW or whatever for their TV deals. The fact that they're seriously, seriously, seriously considering going to a completely 100% streaming route is death death knell for your for your conference right there what do we always say in this program i'm not coming over to your house to watch a sporting event if you're streaming it and now if you're the pac-12 and all of your events are streaming that's just ri- ridiculous if you ask me so um yeah give me give me arizona to the big 12 and i will never ever ever look 
back uh, at the Pac-12 again because I don't give a shit, and I, I'm assuming you don't either because at this point no. we actually get to watch like 2 p.m. games and 4 p.m. games on Saturdays, not, hey, here's two top, two teams that are competing up until like two days ago for a one seed in the NCAA tournament playing at, at 10 p.m., um, it's yeah. a joke, dude. It's a, it's a it's joke. You get, you get lumped in with like the circus freaks. You get lumped in with with the Girls Gone Wild at 2 a.m. sort of commercials, right? That's great, what's great commercials, though. Great I know. Yeah, that's a part of growing up. But th- those are the <laughs> those are the commercials that you're getting lumped in with, like infomercials that are playing. Okay, not I'm not asking to be prime time every single night, but it's UCLA Arizona. And you're going to schedule that. You just, what an awful job promoting your product. It's such an embarrassment being part of the Pac-12. I want the hell out. Uh, because the only thing that was stopping people or maybe uh, in our minds was, well, there that doesn't make sense if we went to the Big 12 or the Big 10. We got the LA schools going to the Big 10. It, none of it matters anymore geographically. Let's just get it done. Uh, God, that pissed me off. The thing that will make me happy, though, is recapping your bets here uh, after hey. this message. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, we can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. 19 and 22, shooting 46% from the field on the year, making a nice little comeback. Great week last week. Michigan State minus three and a half against Nebraska. Needed a comeback. Got it done. It is January, February, Izzo. Boise State minus one. Needed another comeback against SDSU. Got it the hell done. Kansas State minus seven and a half against Ohio. Only Kent. one by seven. Kent. Kent. Excuse me, not, not Kansas State, but Kent State. Only oh, one brutal. by seven. I'm sorry, brutal. man. Have that half point. That's killed me. I think this is the third or fourth occasion on the year that the half point, the hook, as the as the kids like to say, have killed me. So we're here, though. We're in March, and we've got enough time to make sure we all make some money this year. We're certainly within range to get back to 500 and over 500. So, Sub, I say let's do it. You know, I think we should do that. So let's start with some teams that are on the bubble. One of them is the Michigan Wolverines. I don't think Michigan's good at all. And it is as, as what's the word that I'm trying to say? As uh, fluctuating as Illinois has been this year in terms of their uh, abilities. I'm taking Illinois over Michigan by four and a half. Illinois at home. I don't, I mean, I just don't think Michigan is very good is quite literally the, the only analysis I have about that. So we're rolling with that. This is going to come as a surprise to you, Sue, I think, I think it's going to come as a surprise to you. We've got another team on the bubble in the same conference, the big 10 a, a, a conference. We've talked about a lot on this program, obviously. Oh, you're taking we're going with Wisconsin plus four. Thank you. That is shocking. Plus four. Well, has Purdue been playing well on the road? No, they can't win on the road. Apparently, at least not, not often. I'm not sure. This game was tough for me. The other tough part is now we've got games starting 
um, like as most of the people that are listening to this podcast tomorrow, games will already be happening at this point because we're conference tournament season. So there's a couple at like noon and 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Eastern that I just didn't want to take because most people will not have even turned this podcast on. Or a lot of people maybe would not have turned this podcast on even by that point tomorrow. So I'm trying to do some favors for for the for the listeners out there. Very kind. I, it is it is a tough one though because I feel like Purdue might win this game, but it's just going to be close to me. Wisconsin has a lot. Purdue doesn't have all that much to play for other than holding onto the one seed. Wisconsin has essentially everything to play for at this point. I know you could say the same thing about Michigan, but I just don't feel that highly about Michigan or Juwan Howard. I think Greg Gard is at least a little bit better of a coach, and I feel like he'll get his boys in line here, at least to keep this game close against Purdue. And then, Sub, let's I've been trying to avoid this for a lot of the of the year, but let's go with some home cooking here. Arizona by one and a half at USC. Arizona doesn't really have a shot as a one seed anymore. They do need to win this game, though, to hang on to a two seed, I would say. Unfortunately, I think this is actually the biggest game, not for me, not for our personal standpoint, but I actually think this is the biggest game of the weekend for Arizona from a standing perspective. More so, they can lose at UCLA and nothing is going to change about their seed line, right? But you can't lose at USC, too. Then you then that makes UCLA a must win, or you're now a three seed, and you're a three seed only, no matter what happens for the rest of the year. So this is a very, very big game for Arizona, and it's a very, very big game in my mind uh, in terms of telling me what they're going to do in the tournament, how they're going to perform. Because like I said, you can lose to one, you know, future one seed UCLA on the road. I'm okay with that. I'm would I be disappointed if that happened? Yes, but I'm okay with that from a from a general standpoint. You can't lose. You can't overlook a USC in looking forward to a UCLA. So it's a huge game for Arizona in my mind, and I'm going with Arizona minus one and a half. I think they've got the talent. I think they've got the the moxie, the chutzpah, let's uh, so to speak, uh, t- to get this done. I think Azulas Tabellus really needs a kind of bounce back type of performance. He's needed say, it for a while now. To say I am an All American, I am going to lead this team uh, deep, on a deep tournament run, and I think they get it done at USC. So that's Arizona minus one and a half, Wisconsin plus four, and Illinois minus four and a half. We'll continue get the the winning streak here. Let's go two and one again, maybe even three and zero. Taylor, let's go ahead, get on out of here now on some good things. What's yours? So as much as I like to hate on this program, one of the two best, three best college programs in in college basketball history, Kansas is my good thing this week. Not only for winning their you know nine millionth uh, conference title, but in winning uh, two nights ago, good performance by Kansas. Given that Grady Dick did not play well either, also shows you how how deep they can be too. Kansas won their fortieth, fortieth consecutive senior night, which means that like if you're younger than 62 and you were a Kansas basketball player, they've won, you won your senior night, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. Like our parents age, everybody has won their senior night and down (laughs) and down. So that's really quite a crazy thing to think about uh, in my mind to have won 40 consecutive senior nights. And that's a full rotation of, Playing Baylor, playing every, you know, playing. I'm sure they've played everybody at that at, at that point during their senior night. A very impressive number for 
one of the most impressive coaches and one of the most impressive college basketball teams in the country. And at this point, maybe the number one overall seed in the tournament as it's currently progressing in Kansas. I was listening to Lenardi and him and SVP were talking about it. I'd be fine with with Kansas being the number one overall. Their resume is insane. You want to talk about any team with with wins that you think are great? It's nothing compared to Kansas. Still, fifteen Q one wins. They're just such a machine. It's it's amazing. It really is. Uh, my good thing, Maine Black Bears. The Maine Black Bears. I'm sorry to friend of the program, Coach Jared Grasso, but Maine pulls off the win against Bryant uh, on a putback layup, and it was just I mean, another another beautiful representative of what March is about, of what March can be. So, uh, looking forward to that tournament as well. We'll see how it unfolds. Also, my Wagner pick is already out for the Northeastern Conference. Just terrible. So bad. I'm so sick of Wagner. But again, let me rein myself in. This is about Maine. The Black Bears getting a great win uh, against a very talented team. Let's not forget, Brian has Doug Eater. They have Earl Timberlake. They have a good squad. Uh, Maine, I couldn't tell you one single player. I'd be hard-pressed to find a person who could do that. But Maine with a great buzzer-beating win. So hat tip to you, Maine. All right, T, let's go ahead, get on out of here. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. We are coming down the home stretch of the regular season, as Taylor had mentioned. First week of conference tournaments are going on. Wagner, goddamn you. Uh, but we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. <laughs>